Welcome to Bible Greek VPod's Intermediate Greek Program. This is Lesson 9. In this lesson, you will learn the article and take a look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 12-14. The article in the Greek is more versatile than that of the English. The word article comes from the Latin articulus, meaning a small joint, and came to mean a division. So the related word articulaire, meaning to articulate, uh, to speak distinctly. I find this etymology a little on the humorous side, since Latin really does not have a definite article. As for the indefinite article, Dr. Richard Young notes in his grammar that many European languages develop an indefinite article from the number one, as English did. There are also traces of this in the Koine Greek. Occasionally, ice, which is translated one, and tis, which is translated someone, are used in place of an indefinite article. An example is in uh, Matthew 8.19 and in Luke 10.25. There is, however, no indefinite article in the Greek. The function of the article is to point out an object, to make an object distinct or draw attention to it. The article has case, gender, and number, and it always agrees with the noun that it modifies in case, gender, and number. Let's take a look at the uses of the article. The first use is to denote persons or things. The article is used to distinguish a particular person or thing from other persons or things. This use is at the heart of the article and is the most fundamental sense as it serves to make a noun definite. A definite article points out a person, a place, or a thing that is specific rather than something that is general. It serves to set the thing apart from others of the same class. When the article is present, the noun is definite. When it is absent, the noun may or may not be definite. An example is Matthew 2, verse 3. And saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Ha bastila, that definite article, is placed in there. That's the kingdom. It distinguishes the kingdom a specific kingdom that the Jews were looking forward to. Another use is to denote previous reference. The article may be used to point out an object whose identity was defined by a previous reference. This is sometimes called an anaphoric article. It serves to remind the reader of someone or something previously mentioned in the context. A good example is given by Daniel Wallace in John 4, 10-11. Jesus introduces to the woman at the well the concept of living water. Udar Zoan. In verse 11, the woman refers to the water, saying, Where then do you keep the living water? The force of the article, that's uh, the article for the water, to udar and to zoan, 
could be translated, where do you keep this living water of which you just spoke? Another use of the definite article is to denote abstract nouns. The article is used sometimes to make the ordinary indefinite abstract quality of a noun definite in some particular aspect. Abstract nouns are prepositional attributes such as truth, love, faith, grace. For example, truth means anything in general which represents a character of reality and genuineness. But the truth in the New Testament means that which may be relied upon as really in accord with God's revelation in Christ. The general sense of the abstract noun can be restricted, giving it a particular application by using the article. For example, Ephesians 2 and 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, the tegar Christi, for by the grace you have been saved. And then again, to duron, it is the gift of God. That grace is that abstract noun. And it's made definite, pointing out a particular truth about grace. Another use of the definite article is with proper names. The article is sometimes used with modatic or proper nouns even though the definition of these nouns are one of a kind and they don't really need the article to point them out. But Greek is different. It's more precise. So the use of the article with proper nouns serves a purpose and the task is to identify the purpose. The first proper noun I want to talk about is with God, theos. It is common to find the article used with the word theos. The presence of the definite article seems to point out divine personality, either the Father or the triune Godhead, whereas when used without the article, it points out divine essence or some attribute of divinity. The second aspect with proper names is the general article is used with proper names to emphasize the identity of a well-known person to the reader. When the article is absent, its purpose is to emphasize an explanatory phrase to the name, uh, to emphasize the name as a designation rather than an identity. For example, in Acts 19.13, we have, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. See, you wouldn't say, I adjure you by the Jesus who Paul preaches. But it's Tan Iisun. In this example, Dana and Manti point out that this is by the particular Jesus whom one by the name of Paul preaches. The thought of the definite identity belongs to Iesus, but not to Polos. This is to put special stress upon the designation of Jesus. Next, we have the generic article. 
The article is used to designate a class or a group. It points out a class or group as a single whole and sets it apart from all other classes or groups. An example is Matthew eighteen seventeen. He shall be with you as the Gentiles, as a class, that's the uh, whole ethnicos, and the tax collector, as a class, that's the whole talonas, the tax collector, as a class. Two different classes there, the Gentiles and the tax collector. Another use of the definite article is with pronouns. The article is oftentimes used as a pronoun, either personal, he, she, or it, alternative, the one, the other, relative, who, which, that, or possessive, his or hers. Example of the personal is John four thirty two, But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know. John places a definite article out in front at the head of the phrase. Hode ipon, but he said to them. That's the personal pronoun usage. Now let's move on to special uses of the article. One special use of the article is called the Granville Sharp Rule. The article with nouns connected with chi. When two nouns are separated by chi, and only the first noun has an article. The author intends for the reader to connect the two nouns together. This rule is only valid for personal, singular, and non-proper nouns. So oftentimes, the Granville Sharp rule is misused because they didn't exclude the fact of uh, the the nouns being plural and so forth. So it's the rule is only valid for some cases, a case where the nouns are personal, singular, and non-proper nouns. An example is 2 Peter 2.20. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The article there, to curio kai sotieros. Definite article out in front, Kai separating them, and so it links our Lord and Savior to Jesus Christ. Let's talk about the absence of the article. When the article is absent, it's referred to as anartharus. Sometimes the absence of the article is expected and normal. Other times it deviates from the expected and is therefore exegetically significant. For example, 1 Thessalonians 4.15. In Logon Curio, by the word of the Lord. The, the whole verse is this. For we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive remaining until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. In Logo Curio. The absence of the definite article is there, but it's translated with the definite article in the English. By the word of the Lord. Now let's move to the position of the article. The position of the article is very important. There's the attributive position, 
and the predicate position, and then finally the repeated position. In the attributive position, the article precedes the adjective, and it is in the attributive position. Matthew 12.43 is an example of that. When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. The definite article is placed in front of the adjective, the unclean spirit. The predicate position. When the article does not precede the adjective, it is in a predicated position. An example is 1 Corinthians 5, 6. Your glorying is not good. Do you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? The article is placed after the adjective. The repeated position. When the article is repeated with both the adjective and the noun, in other words, they're just lined up, it distributes the emphasis equally between the adjective and the noun. Example is John 10 and 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd has a definite article distributed. Ego I me, ho poemen, ho kalos. I am the good shepherd. Uh, you, you can literally touch, I am the good one, the shepherd. But it's a little clumsy, so I am the good shepherd. Sometimes the article uh, is used with demonstrative pronouns. Demonstrative pronouns are regularly placed in the predicate position. Luke 14.30 is an example of this. Saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. So that definite article there moves the sense instead of the man to the demonstrative, this man. Now let's move to our translation work for today, and I hope you went to the website and got the detailed analysis at Bible Greek VPod. And let's take a look at our verses for the day in 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. I've outlined this section as a reflection of who we are in Christ. We now find John moving closer and closer to the personal application side of this letter. The Apostle John now describes his audience in terms of three groups according to their spiritual maturities. All are expected to grow spiritually as the fellowship between the Spirit and the believer progresses through time. At first, all are what Paul calls babes in Christ. Then as the law of love progresses with time, the babe grows in maturity to be a young man or woman of Christ, and eventually to the point of being called a father. This anthropomorphism of spiritual maturity serves to point out the progressive maturity of the believer as they live out the Christian life. This is what is called in theology sanctification. Sanctification comes from the Greek hagias, meaning holy, a saint, and has the meaning to set apart to God. To be holy is a characteristic of God. He is holy, deserving veneration, so we who are his are to be holy. 
set apart in service to him and sharing in his moral purity. In biblical application, sanctification is that continuous operation of the Holy Spirit by which the holy disposition imparted in regeneration is maintained and strengthened. Augustus Strong, that uh, that theologian from uh, a century ago, he writes, Christ designs to make us both safe and sound. Justification gives the first safety. Sanctification gives the second soundness. He goes on to write, salvation is something past, something present, and something future. A past fact, that is justification, a present process, namely sanctification, a future consummation, that is redemption and glory. Let's take a look at verse 12. Little children, I am writing to you because the sins by you have been sent away because of his name. The fundamentals of the faith are declared to be that the Christian understands that his or her sins have been dealt with by Jesus Christ on the cross, and further, who Jesus Christ is. This involves an understanding by the child of God that he or she is a sinner. To know what a sinner is, to understand that in order for sin to be taken away, blood had to be shed. And not only that, but that the one dying had to be spotless. That is, God himself had to come in the flesh to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The three main teachings that John is leading up to is the application of the doctrine of the wheat and tares of Matthew 13. He will let the church know that if one denies Christ, he or she is not a true Christian, but of the Antichrist and of this world. There are three types of people in the church. The disciple, the carnal believer, and the outsider, an antichrist. But in order to get to the main point, John needs to describe the true Christian and what a healthy spiritual progression is. John means to be careful in building up to that teaching of the antichrist because mankind has a tendency to declare a believer who is struggling with sin to be of the devil and showing no mercy and love. The carnal believer must be shown the fruit of the Spirit. They are God's possession. They are loved and set apart to Him. All children of God start out as infants with little knowledge and through the process of sanctification, grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. John addresses the little children in the vocative, techna, a little child, And in the metaphorical sense, a term is of kindly address by teachers to their disciples. In the New Testament, the word is only used in the sense of a teacher to a disciple. The word is a derivative of technon, whose use is more varied in the metaphorical sense. For example, it is used in the New Testament of pupils or disciples by their teachers, because their instruction nourishes the minds of their pupils and molds their character. 
It is used in the Old Testament of the people of Israel, and especially dear to God in the New Testament of Jews who are led by the Spirit of God and thus closely related to God. Finally, the word is used of children of the devil, whose thoughts and actions are prompted by the devil and reflects his character. As can be seen, the general idea of the metaphor of a technon is to beget. And when used with a genitive, emphasizes some characteristic related by the context. In John 1.12, sons of God. In Ephesians 5.8, children of light. In 1 Peter 1.14, obedient children. In Romans 9.8, children of promise. In Galatians 4.28, children of the flesh. You see, it's it's very varied. You go from something related to God to now something of children of the flesh. Uh, in in First John three ten, we're about to get there. Children of the devil. In Ephesians two three, children of wrath, cursed children. But in general, a spiritual relationship is implied. The word is used in this context as born-again offspring in a relationship bound in love and trust between fellow believers in the church who are under the spiritual discipleship of the Apostle John. Jesus uses this metaphor with his disciples, and in like manner the disciples mature and they take on the position of teacher with their own disciples. So in like manner, this is passed down to us today as some today who are mature in the faith take on the role with their own disciples. John emphasizes the writing aspect of this address by placing the verb grapho, a present active indicative, first person singular, to write at the head of the phrase a repetitive technique that will be repeated three times in the next three verses. The vocative for children serves to call out to them in an emotional sense. So I have placed it at the head in the English, but in the Greek it is proper to place the action at the head. The reason for writing is next given by the conjunction hati and translated because, literally, The sins they have been sent away for you. What a statement. This is what the little children of God understands and John serves to emphasize. The sin issue is emphatic as the definite article is used. The subject, the sins, not just sins, the sins, is placed at the end of the purpose clause. But its importance is emphasized pointed out by the use of this definite article. The verb is again placed at the head of the phrase and is a perfect passive indicative verb of aphema, a perfect passive indicative third person plural, to send away, to leave, to go away from one. The perfect says the action is complete. The passive says you have no part in the action. For it was performed by Christ himself. The indicative speaks of the reality of the event in history. 
He was the active participant and the little child was the passive participant. What this verb means to communicate is that Jesus sent away, he forgave, or as some say, remitted all our sins in a legal sense. The legal sense is found in the Old Testament rite of the sacrificial goat, the goat of Jehovah of Leviticus chapter 16, and the other goat, the scapegoat, the goat of Azrael. The goat of Jehovah is killed for the sin offering and its blood sprinkled upon the mercy seat. The goat of Azrael, the scapegoat, is taken by the priest and the sins of the children of Israel are confessed with the hands of the priest placed upon its head. Then the goat is sent away into the wilderness. The personal pronoun makes this all-inclusive to those in the church as he uses the personal su, the personal pronoun, you all, plural. The dative is translated for you all as a dative with the passive of the verb demands. All those in the church have had their sins, plural, removed in a legal sense. And the event is referred to as a substitutionary act, as indicated by use of the preposition dia, through, or by, and when used with the accusative because of, or for the sake of, the name of him. This is causal, reflecting the cause of the action, namely that the legal acquittal of our personal sins is sent away because of him. The Greek onama, an accusative singular with the definite article name, points to the only one who can perform the act. It points to Jesus Christ, whose name means the anointed Savior. Our sins have been taken away because of him and for his sake. Let's move to the next verse. Verse 13. Fathers, I am writing to you because you have known the one who is from the beginning. The same word construction used in verse 12 is used again, thus stressing the emphatic nature that the author intends to recall to each group's remembrance concerning where they are in their maturity. The vocative is now directly addressed to all the pater, the the plural fathers, vocative. Fathers refers to the spiritually mature, where a high level of maturity is achieved and an expectation of character and obedience is exhibited. The reference is used in the metaphorical sense to refer to a person who is an example of a person of faith. For example, Abraham is the example of the man of faith for both the Jew and the Gentile. So in the same sense, fathers refers to mature believers in the church, examples of men of faith. A high degree of maturity means a high level of obedience and conformity to the word of God. Again, as in verse 12, the reason is pointed out by use of the conjunction hati because, or in this case, maybe even since, 
And again, the perfect tense is used and applies to their knowledge. John uses the Greek gnosko, perfect active indicative second plural, to know, to understand, meaning you have known in the past and the knowledge is still in effect in them. Where before it was revealed that the child of God's sins have been forgiven by God, now their knowledge is active and they are seen as mature, holding tight to that knowledge of the Word of God. The definite article ton, a masculine accusative singular, is placed all by itself and it points back to him as an example of the article of previous reference that substantializes the phrase. They have known the one who is from the beginning and continue to abide in him, and that is a reason for their maturity. Their source of maturity is found in a sovereign God who will be active in the lives of the ones he loves. Listen to Romans 5, 1-5. This is the process of, of how it works. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, first there's justification. There's, there's a reconciliation that happens with God. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, that reconciliation. Verse 2, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace. Um, we can go before him and pray in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, listen to this, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Oh, that hurts. I don't like tribulations. I don't like trouble. But we can. We can glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. There's a purpose for that tribulation. It's to grow us. It produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And then Paul ends it with this wonderful little verse. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Finally, this knowledge of Christ is the foundation of who we are, as it is what is known who is Apo, from the Arche, the beginning or the origin. The Gospel of John introduces this to them in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. 
He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Did you get that? They have a right to become children of God. What a, what a, what a blessing that is. To those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John had given them this truth at the beginning. And that's the foundational knowledge that they are to build upon. The second phrase in verse 13 Young men, I am writing to you because you have overcome the wicked one. The address is first to the youngest in the faith, then to the maturest in the faith, and last to those in the middle. The nekonos. Again, that's evocative masculine plural. A young man, a youth. Again, John addresses them in the evocative, calling out to them, imploring them, because that hati is used again, because they have actively overcome. The Greek niko, perfect active indicative second person plural, to conquer, to overcome, is from the noun nike, meaning victory. They have victory over the wicked one. The victory is over the bondage to sin. And that the bondage to sin that they have had and have overcome, the victory is over the bondage to sin that they had and have overcome that bondage and are now free in Christ. The adjective paneros with a definite article, full of labors, hardships, bad, evil, wicked, points plainly to a specific person as a definite article is used, and therefore points to Satan, who is seen as being dealt a fatal blow when Jesus died on the cross. This is one of the great truths that comes out of the death of Christ on the cross. The apostle has already told the little children that Christ died on the cross as a propitiation for the sins of the world. And that when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Then he tells the little children that their sins are forgiven them for the sake of Jesus Christ's name. Now to the young men who have experienced some level of victory over a particular sin that has been put off with the help of the Holy Spirit by going before the Father in prayer, confessing that sin, and asking for His strength to overcome, and hence is seen as overcoming the wicked one, the one who is seen as being the father and promoter of sin, this is the spiritual battle that is occurring with the believer. Now to the young men who have experienced some level of victory over a particular sin that has been put off with the help of the Holy Spirit by going to the Father in prayer, confessing that sin, and asking for His strength to overcome, and hence in overcoming the, the wicked one. The wicked one being 
the one who is seen as being the father and promoter of sin. This is the spiritual battle that is occurring with the believer. The battle does not occur with the unsaved. They are seen as in bondage to sin. They are already they're slaves to sin. The battleground is found with the believer as he struggles with the old self and with the desires of the flesh. The young man is strengthened because he has experienced victory over his flesh at some level. And John will let them know that God is on their side and that their fight is rooted in love. This is the love principle in action. The third phrase in verse 13, Little children, I am writing to you because you have known the Father. Now John addresses the paida, the young children, little boys. It's a different word than what was used in the previous verses because they have ginosko, the perfect active indicative second plural. They have known the patar, the father, has a definite article with it. They have known the father, not plural fathers, but the father their heavenly Father, God. To know the Father is to know the Son. Likewise, to know the Son is to know the Father, because Jesus came in the flesh to reveal the Father to mankind. John turns to all believers who are growing in Christ in order to enforce the fundamental aspect of their position as in Christ. And from this elemental knowledge brings growth and a command to become like-minded with Christ. And that means a life that produces fruit, not only in deed, but in attitude and charity. Verse 14. Fathers, I wrote to you because you have known him from the start. In like manner, John returns to address the mature in Christ, the fathers, moving from the present to now using the aorist tense of grapho. It's an aorist active indicative, first person singular. I wrote to you. The occasion of which is not stated. But the implication is clear that at some point prior, John had written to them concerning who they are in Christ. A restatement of the introductory verses of chapter 1 that they have heard concerning the word of life and that it affects their walk and their fellowship because Christ is light and there is no darkness in him at all. And as before, the reason is presented in the causal, hati, because they have known this from the start. The knowledge is perfected knowledge as the perfect of ginosko, the perfect active indicative, second plural, to know or to understand is used. The definite article whole in the accusative case, accusative masculine singular, is used as a pronoun, him, to point out the definite personal relationship that is known. That they have an active personal relationship with the Lord, which has grown with time. Notice throughout this section, John 
has nothing profound to say concerning the fathers, which may be the profound statement, that they have known him. That's all he says. Two statements for the father. I write to you because you have known him. I have written to you because you have known him. Just a very simple statement. Very profound. The second phrase. Young men, I write to you because you are strong ones and the word of God abides in you and you have conquered the evil one. The address returns to the young men. The nekonos, and is plural, the young men. Youth, because the hati is used again, they are in the Greek called isakars. It's an adjective and a nominative masculine plural. They're strong or mighty. The transitive verb, amy, is a present indicative second plural, to be or exist. It expresses their state of being as strong because they have had their faith built up and the result is expressed in possessing strong faith knowing that they can rely upon the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Abraham, the man of faith, who is our example of faith, had his faith build up through his trials. He starts out weak in Genesis 12. And by the time of his greatest test, he relies upon God to provide his sacrifice, and his son is spared in Genesis 22. As the author of Hebrews puts it, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Can you believe that? He grew to the point where he could trust God's word and say, God will provide. So the young man or woman of faith is strong when he or she holds strong to the word of God. To abide in his word is to remain in his word, to depend upon his word as a guide and a way of life. What is called a spirit-filled life is one where the Holy Spirit works together with the word and not only to convict of sin and save us, but also to guide, to teach, and testify to us, but also commanding us, interceding for us, and sanctifying us. God works in his world through his word and his spirit. The Apostle Paul states it so well as he writes, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That is the start, the salvation part. But then comes sanctification, living holy lives. Within the doctrine of revelation, there is general revelation and special revelation. General revelation is that which is revealed about God through creation and everyone can see and should see. But as Paul states, the world refuses to acknowledge God for who he is. General revelation is general in scope and reaches all people. Special revelation is when God comes into history and he speaks to individual and in particular what is revealed in God's word. It is special because God selects certain individuals to reveal his word to and it has been superintended by the Holy Spirit and preserved 
in the scriptures. The term halagas, to theo, specifically points to the word of God that we possess, that is written down and preserved for us in what we call the Bible. It is called God's word because he is the one who has supernaturally provided it for us and is called both powerful and profitable. The general principle is that the believer is continually and actively, the present tense, active voice, remaining in God's word and his word continually and actively remains in you in order to stay off the whales of the wicked one. It is not you who, nekao, perfect active indicative second plural, has conquered, notice the perfect tense, complete, and the effect continues to the point of writing, but it is God who is who has conquered the evil one. God conquered the evil one on the cross, but Satan is alive and thriving today, performing the following acts. He is tempting believers to sin. He is trying to keep people from true worship. He is thwarting the spread of the gospel. He is using many schemes, controlling the present sinful world, affecting people with illness, and accusing believers before God when they sin. To say Christ has already conquered the devil refers to Christ's death on the cross as the satisfaction the payment price for all sinners for all time. All who are saved are justified by Christ's death on the cross. Old Testament saints, as well as all future saints, are saved because of Christ's death on the cross. If you remember, it was the serpent in the garden that perverted God's word when Eve spoke to him concerning the fruit of the tree of good and evil. The main point that John wants to deal with in this letter is the truth of God's word and the principle of the perversion of God's word. The principle is the same whether the perversion comes from Satan, the world, or you. John means to encourage them as children of God to grow up, to stop perverting the word, to hold close to the word and the paneros, the evil or the wicked, it's an adjective, so it's the wicked one that has already been conquered has no power over you. But you have victory and have overcome him. The definite article points to a specific person known throughout scripture as the devil or Satan. Even though Satan has been conquered, he has small victories when the believer sins against God's standard. But the believer has been given the power to overcome the devil because we are children of God and he has given us both his word and his spirit to overcome the world. For those who abide in God's word is found blessing. John relates the, the love law relationship with God's word back in John, 1 John 2, 5-6. to But whoever keeps his word to him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him 
ought himself to walk in in the same manner as he walked. And how is it that he walked? He walked in the light. Since he was the light, so we also should walk in the light. Light is a metaphor for truth and the spiritual purity associated with it. We ought to walk in that light. What a blessing this is. John will continue verses 15 through 17, trying to convince him not to walk in the world, not to love the world, 